Hello, this is James Marino from Broadway Radio. I'd like to welcome you to the first episode of Genetessa Fox's new podcast, Spotlight. In today's episode, we listen in on a phone call between Jenna and Michael John Lachusa. Michael John's film, Hello Again, is now in movie theaters. It's an adaptation from the off-Broadway show of the same name. The film stars Audra McDonald, Martha Plimpton, T.R. Knight, and Rumor Willis. How are you, Ben? Everybody good? Doing good, yes. How are you doing? How is the O'Neill? Oh, it's beautiful, as it always is. You know, I love coming up here, and it's such a beautiful, creative environment here. The students at the National Musical Theater Institute, they're just absolutely wonderful and terrific. And and they're doing scenes from Hello Again, which is so ironic. Yes. <laughs> oh, that <laughs> really is fun, fantastic. Though. They're really great. I love coming here, yes, very much so. One of these days I'll get up there, I hope. You must. You love it. I would it. love you to. Love I would love to. Mm-hmm. So could you tell me... How did you develop the original stage show? What was the inspiration for it? You woke up one day and said, I'm going to do a musical of La Ronde, and I'm going to set each scene in a different decade. <laughs> well, the uh, inspiration for La Ronde was not, did not come from me. Um, Ira Weitzman, at the producer of musical theater at Lincoln Center Theater, had uh, a discussion with the wonderful choreographer, director uh, Graziella Daniel, about working on a new piece. And one of the works that she was interested in adapting into a ballet was La Ronde, uh, Arthur Schoen's La Ronde. And, um, <clears throat> and then, as I read, read through it, he, he asked Grazi, he said, what would you think if this were turned into a musical? And Grazi said, well, who would write it? And he said, I know someone who's uh, just a, an emerging young writer, um, and I uh, produced one of his uh, one-act plays. Uh, musicals, and um, and that's how I was introduced to Graziella Danielle. And he called me and said, "Would you be interested in working on this piece? I don't know where, what's going to happen with it, but uh, take a look at Laurent." Now, I had read the piece many, many years ago when I was a child, and um, and I, so I was familiar with the with, definitely with the, the premise of the piece of so the round robin, uh, A meets B. B character meets C and et cetera, et cetera, until we come back to A. So I was familiar with the piece um, and the play, the original play. And so I, I took a look at it and, um, and I wrote the first scene I, I, that night and um, literally brought it in a couple of days later for Ira to hear and for Grazi to hear because I'd never met Graziella before, although I was a great admirer of her work. And we just, and I played it for them and they were just really, really super happy. And we said, let's, let's do it. And um, then and like literally the next week I came in with scene two and we continued that way. We're seeing it, scene after scene. And that's how the piece came to be. And, um, and of course, working with Graziella uh, meant that it was going to be um, very balletic uh, uh, in, in its, in its time. And uh, that was a really great uh, inspiration for me in, in terms of writing the piece because every there was a, a much movement in the piece, much choreography in the, in the piece, and um, it, it was a, a joy and a half. And it was rather quick making, I have to say. We were up and we did a reading, and then we did a workshop, and then we were, were produced um, at Lincoln Center Theater. 
in a, in wow. a relatively short span of time, given the length of time it does take to do a musical, you know, I think it was about two years uh, of time involved in it. So that's not very long. But I think we were both just so joyous about working on the piece and, and loving it so much. And we had great people that we were working with throughout the whole process in terms of our cast. And uh, creating it for the particular original cast was a joy and a half, too. One of people like uh, Donna Murphy and Carly Carmelo and um, Judy Blazer, the wonderful Judy Blazer, all these, you know, incredible and John Dossett was involved in it, Michael Parks. They all went on to great careers. John Cameron Mitchell, you know, Malcolm Getz. Mm-hmm. Um, so they were, it's just a creative, um, a creative pool that was wonderful to work in. So what was it like working with that creative pool, developing this piece? And I'm also really curious, why did you decide that each scene should be set in a separate decade? Was that so you'd have a chance to write music and that's in different styles and a whole wide range? Well, the more I dove into um, and delved into exploring what Schnitzler had originally written uh, in, in in the German, I had that translated for me. I realized there was something much more, um, uh, for lack of a better word, um, spiritual or something on a metaphysical level that was was going on in his work. Um, you know, people say this about the work or the, this, this, uh, that it's about uh, the spread of venereal disease amongst the classes. You know, that might be true for the time, but I recognize too that his, there's some profound physiolo- physiological thoughts uh, and, uh, you know, about the body and, um, and how our body re- responds to memory. There were also great uh, philosophical um, points that he makes in in our in in the work um, that uh, in in our constant search to find the balance between our carnal desires and our uh, our need to be loved and to love another, um, we are faced with so many um, you know conundrums in in, in our lives. Uh, one uh, that sometimes the consummation of uh, sex can often lead to the end of that relationship for some bizarre reason because we've just we've we've found our object of desire and we no longer want it that was one great theme that i felt um for the time changes it was pure and simple i thought you know what musical theater isn't real (laughs) nothing in a musical is real okay there's nothing real okay secondly that the piece had an idea that time place and face um the original play has this notion that time place and face doesn't matter um, we will constantly be looking for that uh, object of our desire and in any time. And I took that to heart and literally um, decided uh, with Grazi that to switch up it all, go through a variety of decades, uh, uh, would be a fascinating look at how um, this search continues in, in whatever time and whatever place we're, you know, that we're in. It also did something for me, which I thought was, uh, uh, which was a lot of fun to, to explore, was to give the piece variety. And uh, in terms of its musical styles and and uh, to keep the audience guessing, because, you know, even the original play, um, we get it's just really, really the same scene played out, but with two different distinctly different characters in each one. So I felt that by giving a distinctly different character in terms of the setting and time also helped to keep that variety and keep the ball in the air and keep the audience guessing and wondering what's going to happen next. Because, again, the drama is a very different type of drama. It doesn't have a plot, per se. From scene to scene, we're not, you know, we're not. There's no, there's no plot, you know, in the piece except for two people meet, they make love, and then there's the aftermath. Um, but how, so, how to keep variety in the show, and how to keep the audience going? What's going to happen next? Where will we go next? Was a fun thing to explore. 
And how much influence did that Dreamcast with so many future Tony and Drama Desk nominees and winners? Oh my Even our understudies went on to great fame. Pam Isaacs was the understudy for... Uh, no kidding. For, yeah, yeah, Pammy. And uh, Bob Stillman, wonderful Bob Stillman, was in the company, Roy Chicas, and also um, uh, Elizabeth... Uh, Award land. She is. Uh, she she was one of the understudies for one of the women there. So we four understudies, and they all went on to great fame too. Can you believe that? I mean, it was hysterical. Um, uh, it was one. You know, and also too, when we were working, even um, it's very funny. I was I was telling a story to the the, the the other day about how John Cameron Mitchell came into audition for us for Hello Again, and uh, there wasn't a part for him in the show because the original Young Thing was played by Jane Krakowski. Oh, wow. And um, see, uh, so, and, and it, but John came in, I said, oh my God, I work with this guy so much. I wanna, what do I do? What do I do? And I remember having this, it just was a light bulb. And I went, what if, I, what if, um, and Jane was playing the young thing. And I said, and I called Grazie. I said, I, I, Jane's just done one reading of it. Do you think if I switch the gender of this role here uh, and do something daring and, and put, you know, a homosexual pairing on stage, what, what trouble would I get in? Cause you got to remember, this is a while back. Okay. This is like, you know, when still in the heat of, you know, AIDS America and a lot of crazy stuff was still happening in America in terms of gay rights and everything and what people wanted to see on stage and what they didn't want to see on stage. Sure. So I called her and said, you do that. She said, do it, do it. And, uh, you know, I did have to call Jane and say, Jane, I've turned you into a boy. I'm so sorry. Will you ever forgive me? Which she did. Sweet, sweet of her to do. And of course, she went on to great fame too with her, with the TV series and shows and on Broadway as well. And uh, Tom Holtz was involved in it at one time too, before he went out to Hollywood to do The Hunchback and in his career. So it's really it's uh, it's quite a lot of fun to have all these people there. But, you know, when you have a great actor in the room, it's it's one of those things we work with them in tandem. You're tailoring the song or the scene to their strengths and to their beauties and to their talents. And, and they're the ones that have to go out there each shows a week, you know, so you want to make sure that garment, that song, um, that, that, that thing fits them as comfortable so that they want to jump into that, uh, song, that garment every single night that they're, that they have to go on stage. So the tailoring process is great when you have people like, uh, say Malcolm Getz or Michelle Park. Um, who were in the original company, Judy Blazer, whose dynamite voice was just a dream to write for. And she's always been my, one of my muse. Carly Carmella, who was new to the scene. Um, you know, just being able to work with these people and to have them be so generous with their gift of their talents, insights into the characters, which they only have sometimes when you, you think, even if it's a writer, you think you might have an insight, but the actors always bring that one extra thing if they're good. So it was a joy to work with them in tandem. They're all going to, a whole bunch of them are all coming back to see the uh, premiere on the six of Hello Again, the film. So we'll have the, uh, some of the, some of the film cast will be there with the original cast members looking on to see what their original creations are doing on the screen. So it's really kind of a Pirandella moment. So 20 years later, a movie contract gets signed. What was that story? Who approached who? Who suggested what? How did this film get started? Well, I met Tom Gustafson and Corey Kruckenberg uh, several years ago. They were interested in um, in adapting the Wild Party, and we weren't ready to have that adapted yet. But and but, we, but Tom said, "What, what about Hello Again?" I said, "Well, but that's a challenge. But please, you know, go go make a try. See, but see what Corey Corey, the screenwriter, um, see if Corey likes it, wants to play with it, and uh, and Corey came up with a screenplay that I thought really stuck very closely to the original piece." Granted, it's a film, so it can take had to take much different 
liberties and and with it uh, by opening it up more than we did on stage, obviously locations, places, um, uh, things, uh, and uh, and it was really quite a good adaptation. I was a great fan of their work, um, uh, "Where the World Mine," which is an adaptation of uh, a musical adaptation, movie, film adaptation of "A Midsummer Night's Dream," and um, I really thought they really knew what they were doing when it came to making a good movie musical, which I'm a big fan of. And um, and they're very difficult to do and very difficult to pull off correctly. And I think that um, what they've done with Logan is quite quite beautiful. I, I I've loved uh, uh, you know watching it come together. I don't know an awful lot about filmmaking, so um, although I've been in theater my whole life, I I know what to do there, and I know some things about TV because TV is very similar to theater in many ways of how production proceeds. Film is a different language for me entirely. So I told them, I said, you know, I I, I think since I don't know an awful lot, it's best for me to sit on the sidelines and watch and learn. So my involvement was simply, you know, yes, no, checking in um, and uh, making sure that they were doing well and what they needed from me um, in terms of music. They needed a new song. I'd be happy to write them a new song, et cetera. But I just, you know, I wanted to make sure that because if you don't know what you're doing, you can be a real, you don't want to be a, a muck up in the room. So it was good. And I learned an awful lot working on the film and watching uh, Tom and Corey uh, work with the actors. It was thrilling, as a matter of fact. And the new technology that's out there, being able to allow the actors to sing live on the set while music's being pumped in through these incredibly new little <clears throat> ear things that send out the music through Blu-ray or whatever. I would not Blu-ray, what's it called? Bluetooth, Bluetooth or something. See, see, I'm not technical enough for film. Please <laughs> clearly hear me. <laughs> it's my stay far away from it. Um, it was, was amazing to see the actors sing live in, on the, the sound stages that were there. Uh, it was a thrill. And then you so in the movie, you're hearing them actually, they're live singing that they did it in the space. And it's thrilling, you know, that, that they can make that work now. It's great. So it's very theater in respect, you know. So the, the theater comes into it. Can you tell me about the new music that you composed for the show and the new material? There's a whole new scene that was not in the stage oh, yeah. version. That's true. We wanted to, talk, Corey thought maybe we, could we move the thing into like, you know, the 21st century? How would you mind that? I said, no, it doesn't really matter. What's what, what time? You know, no issues with it at all. And scene eight was always our problematic scene. And we have great stories about the original scene eight. Um, uh, 23 songs were written for the original scene eight. Oh, wow. Uh, when we were doing it off, but 23, because we couldn't oh, land on what the hell the, the scene. It's in the play, too. So scene eight rolls around, and the audience is like, okay, we get this. You know, <laughs> can we get to scene nine and scene 10? Because we know, okay, we know, we know. So we knew that we had to act quick and furious on the, on, on, in the theater about this scene. But, um, and so there was a great question mark on the scene when it came to the screenwriting. Corey suggested, can we throw it up to, you know, maybe the, 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 the I think it's set in the 980s or something. Yeah, I'm pretty sure of it. Uh, or somewhere around the, the whatever the big uh, MTV video era was. And he said, what if we make it a, about her having to do a video that the writer has written for her, a music video, with a really, really cheap, stupid song that she hates singing, but he seduces her into singing for him and performing. So we came up this, this with a really cheap, cheesy song called Beyond the Moon, which is like a fabulous disco song now. And we did a, a little faux, uh, one of those faux arty uh, videos that goes along with the scene. Um, I don't know if you've seen the movie yet, oh, but yes. you see it. It's, it's, it's hysterical. And, and of course, they're cut with um, 
uh, uh, Cheyenne Jackson and, and Audra making love. It becomes very, very funny. It's it's a it's a really it's a, it's actually a really good dance tune, you know, which I was really thrilled with hearing. I It'll be the breakaway song. pop hit from the film. I would hope so. I'd love for it to be. I think it's it's really catchy. It's really something. And Audra, of course, you know, disco queen, right? Go figure. Absolutely, yes. She can do anything. Disco she queen. She can do anything. Absolutely. <laughs> anything. Speaking of Audra, yes, uh, major theater and TV names attached to this. Audra McDonald, Martha Plimpton, Cheyenne Jackson, T.R. Knight, Rumor Willis, Jenna Ushkowitz, Sam Underwood, Nolan Gerard Funk, Al Calderon, and Tyler Blackboard. How involved with you? I I know you worked with Audra. Yes, I know you worked with Audra in the past. How involved were you with getting this dream cast together? And what was it like to adapt everything for their voices? Well, it's, that was uh, the part of the music department there, which, you know, that did all the work with the music, with all the actors on the self so doing maybe a here, there, a transposition of a key, uh, teaching them the music. I really had very, very limited involvement with the actors learning the music, except to, you know, um, you know, afterwards say, you know, can we do this? Maybe the here, can we fiddle with this orchestration here? What about this note? We might need to fix this, da, 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 da. you know, <laughs> when it comes to the, the playback. So I didn't. I have very, very, very limited, um, exp- you know, working with the actors on things. I left that again. It's a different process um, in the movies than it is in the theater to work with the actors in the space, and um, I mean they have to do things differently. You know, there's a different way of learning the song, and uh, and that's sort of why, I sort of, like I say, stood on the sidelines and watched more than engaged. But I was there. I, I showed up at shoots and stuff to say, you know, to listen to it and to see what they were up to and what they were working on, and 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 being a good cheerleader, you know, but trying to stay out of the way of out of their work because it's much different than the theater singing a song on film and doing what you have to do acting wise on the theater. It, it, in the theater is 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 much different than what you have to do on film. Much different. Particularly Absolutely. in these days, yeah, very true. Um, yes. But you know, of course, I but I knew a, a lot of them. I mean, I was a big fan of Martha Plimpton so when she had done um, a very, very, uh, I thought, very risky uh, pal Joey many, many years ago. Mm-hmm. I loved her as Linda in that. I thought she was just so moving and, and deeply, just my kind of actor in a song. You know, just honest, direct, beautiful. I, uh, of course, Audra and I go way back. I've always enjoyed Shine Jackson. He's always had that cross between absolute charmer and a snake oil salesman. I love that. <laughs> that bad boy thing that he's got. He's got a bad boy streak in him. And I love that. But he's also so charming and so easy on the eyes. You can't, you know, so it's that great, he's a great dichotomy character. I love that Jenna Uskowicz. I think she is a major star. I think she's just brilliant in the scene that she does, though, the two scenes she does in the movie. And, you know, I, re- I really fell for Ruma Willis, too. I think she's extraordinary, extraordinary. She sings the song Tom, which is a, a very difficult song. She does it great justice. And she's so beautiful to look at. So all these T.R. Knight delivers a great, great performance. Oh, they're all really wonderful in it. Every single one of them, you know, they're just terrific. So I got, I've got a chance to talk and meet with them. I love Sam Underwood, too. He's, I'm a great fan of his, too. So speaking of, it's been exciting, very exciting. Oh, yes, it's clearly. And speaking of Sam Underwood and Martha Plimpton, uh, their roles, uh, Sam's role was originally played by Donna Murphy and Martha's role That's was correct. played by John Dossett. Who suggested That's switching correct. some of those genders around? Why did you, well, Corey. why did the team want to, Corey, okay. Uh, well, Corey and Tom, both of them, I mean, they, they felt, what would happen if? And I said, well, I did the if. Back in when I when I switched, uh, um, you know, Janie with uh, uh, John Cameron Mitchell, 
right and, I you know and didn't know that had already been done before and it was it well yeah it caused a little it was a little bit of a fuss among the theater people and the real diehard schnitzer freaks and all those who really and, and also too i was putting on stage um I was putting on stage a, a, a gay uh, couple, and and, and um, particularly with the, the young thing and the writer, where there were no consequences for their behavior. You know, um, whereas most gay couples, even in the musicals, a few gay musicals that were out there, they had to die of something or you know be killed or die of AIDS or something. And then, and I was just showing a gay couple having sex, you know, and, and then the aftermath of that. You know, and uh, people were kind of like, wait, but you can't just do that. You know, I was like, yeah, we can't because gay people are just like everyone else like us, you know. And um, and so it caused quite a stir back then for, for being um, risky. So when this idea came up, I had no hesitation about it whatsoever. I said, of course, gender, gender fluidity is is part of what I feel hello again is about. It plays face where, when, hey, it don't matter. We're going to keep looking for the search no matter what. That no matter how that soul appears, male, female, trans, it doesn't matter. It's it's wherever the search leads you to. How do you feel the changes in uh, casting affected the adaptation? Having Leocadia move from male uh, from female to male in two different scenes, or having the senator Nothing. now be a woman, it doesn't not Nothing. at all. It it doesn't matter. It didn't matter one bit. It doesn't matter one bit because they are still on the essential thing about hello again. I, I, and I try to adhere to it. We all did all working on the piece was just to stick to the truth, stick to truth about character. And it doesn't matter what sex, what gender, what ethnicity, what race, none of it mattered as long as one was true to it all. Again, musicals aren't real. <laughs> so why are we pretending True. that we're doing real life on stage? How silly is sure. that? And I think the same thing should be on film. I just think, you know, it's ridiculous, you know, and it's a, it's a, it's a, it's didn't really happen. Hello. You know what I mean? The Ron didn't happen, <laughs> you know, so we can do anything with it that we want in the telling of the story and how we depict our characters in the story. But the most important thing, Jenna, is that um, we had it, whatever came out of the characters' mouths when they sang or even when they spoke was that it remained truth. And as long as you remained true to those truths, it didn't matter. Gender, ethnicity, race, it doesn't matter as long as you're true to that. So would you be okay with future stage productions shifting some of the genders around depending on who's available for casting? I would if they have, uh, sure, sure, if they have the budget to change around the orchestrations and do the vocal <laughs> parts, yeah. I mean, you know, you know, they got to have the money because, you know, otherwise I, you don't want some, you know, people singing in the wrong register. I mean, that's 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 one thing that doesn't necessarily change men True. of deeper voices than women do. You know, that that's a fact. Um, although, you know, our, you know, our people are can take certain, you know, the drugs to lower the voice and everything too, sure. so they can sing in a male voice or speak in a male voice or, or raise their voices. But I mean, you know, the fact remains is that if they have the budget to transpose the stuff, why the hell not? I mean, why sure. not? Does it doesn't matter? I, I showed that when I switched around the young thing. I said, it doesn't matter. It matters to those who might be a little homophobic and don't want to see that on stage. You know, I remember when we did it, did it, uh, did it at the Lincoln Center at the time, and I had Donna Murphy and David White, uh, uh, Donna Murphy, uh, and uh, David White was black, played black man, uh, played the black soldier. And, um, and I got hate mail for that. How could you have 
a white woman and a black woman making love on stage. Like there's just, you know, really bad. I think this is like 1993, 94 hate mail. Well, we know what that's about. And I was shocked back then, but I ain't shocked about it now. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, those things are out there in the world and they're still out there and all that stuff. So people are going to be shocked in the old way. They'll be shocked when they see the film. They'll go up. That's not for me. I don't like seeing lesbians. Oh no, no, not going to have that. Women don't kiss each other. You know, there's still going to be that, you know, that thing out there in the world that you can't beat. You, you know, can't, you can't beat it. You know, it, it, you, the only way you uh, um, uh, succeed in, you know, in battling it is by doing it and putting it out there. Sure. That's so I do battle. The only way I know. Excellent. So okay. can we, can we look forward to a musical of Wild Party or Marie Christine or giant, oh. or sorry, musical. I mean, film version. Sorry. Oh my gosh, I'd love to for all that to happen all at once. Yes, absolutely. I don't know. Wild Party might be a fun one to do, don't you think? I think it's very film worthy. Could be a lot oh, of fun. Oh, absolutely. Be a great one. I think it's got a good score there for the ears and stuff. Got some good funk in that one there. Oh yeah. Marie Christine's playing in uh, Chicago at Boho Theater right now. The wonderful Boho oh. company's doing uh, it in Chicago. It's getting some great reviews. Great one. It's going to go to Chicago. Tribune today and. It's in Chicago right now, playing Willie and Brown. No, I'm trying to. Trying to quote the show. Oh, yes, that's right. That's right. This is song. uh Chicago. Yeah, that's right. You're good. You're good. I saw it a couple times. It's it's a great show. Always loved it. Well, at the the time, it was way, way, way too dark. But I've hopefully, you know, um, and grim and oh, you shouldn't have a musical. Shouldn't be dark. Oh no. Well, you know. In, in, since that time's gone, maybe we've educated ourselves a little more. True, it's a grim story, but you know, hey. It's based on Medea. It was already sings. dark. There was. <laughs> it, it, but they, but it was sung in the original good old Greek timey days. You true, know, true. they sang everything. You know, back then, that's how opera got created. Up the people in the Renaissance, they saw, well, let's try to imitate what the Greeks did by singing everything. So Medea has already been sung. It's already been a musical. I'm not, I'm not really doing anything new. By doing that. <laughs> but you're recreating it and making it your own. Just like That's you did with Laurent. That's the Excellent. goal. That's the goal to do. That's the goal. Wonderful. Got to constantly recreate. Lovely speaking with you, my dear. Lovely speaking with you. Thank you so much for speaking with us. I appreciate it. Oh, and it's break legs at the... Oh, always. And break legs at the premiere. I hope both of the casts have a wonderful time and that they... Uh, I hope they do, too. It's a beautiful film. I'm looking forward to seeing everybody. Okay, love, take good care of yourself. You, too. Thank you again. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.